Hello! So this is Bumi and Christina and we are... <laughs> oh, Christina keeps moving the phone and making me laugh. Uh, so this is Bumi and Christina on Stratosphere and today we're going to be reading some poetry from... Um, I really don't know how far back this dates but we're going to say like freshman year of high school and I'm now going to be a junior in college so it spans quite a lot. I would do um, middle school but um, if we did I would probably stop very quickly because that's embarrassing. But yes um, and I don't know I kind of want to start these episodes with small updates. So small update from me is I watched Black Widow yesterday and my review is I give it a straight 7 out of 10. Mostly because I'm not super hot on Black Widow. Um, that's just me though. It was really interesting. However, because you, I already watched Endgame. Uh, and I know that she dies. Um, I'm not really... Why? Don't make that face at me. You haven't watched Endgame? No! <laughs> that's your problem. <laughs> Christina hasn't watched Endgame. And I was going to be like, oh, spoilers for Endgame. And then I was like, wait, no. Because... If you're going to watch Endgame, then you should have watched it because it came out a while ago. That literally came out when I was in high school. It takes me a while. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so because of that, it's kind of like cool to have those plot holes filled. um, And I think it kind of sets it up for... Marvel always kind of sets the ends of movies up for like series and stuff. So it does that pretty well, um, and I like all the characters. I thought it was shot really well. You know, it's like it's a Marvel movie, so it's good. Um, I think it's just the fact that it's about a character that you already know the end of her story, so it's like not, it's not, it's like different. You're not like waiting. You already know how her story ends, um, so it wasn't uh, like sitting on the edge of my seat. The fight scenes are good. Um, and soundtrack is, I give the soundtrack like an 8 out of 10. It's pretty good. Um, is it as good as the soundtrack for Umbrella Academy? No. But, it's not bad. So, um, yeah, that's my update for this episode. Um, I don't know, Christina, do you have an update? (laughs) Um, I, I painted in Zilker yesterday. If anyone's here in Austin, they should definitely chill in Zilker sometime. It's a beautiful park. We sat under a nice large oak tree view of the downtown skyline and we painted. Yeah. That sounds so cute. Um, so those are the updates. Now for this episode, Christina is going to, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, not doing that one because that one's ugly. <laughs> We're not doing that journal. But we have six journals from different times in my life. And Christina's going to pick one, whichever one she wants. And I'll flip to a random page. And I'll keep flipping until I find a poem. And I'll read the poem. And then I might give commentary if I remember the context at which this was, that poem was written. Alright, so we're going to read from this black journal that has graph paper on it. So, does this even... I have no idea when this is. Crazy. That's crazy. Wild. You killed who I thought you were before I had a chance to tell you. You told me you know me before I knew you. You got me like a dance partner, like water, like light, like wind, like dancing leaves, like white breath and cold air, like chat lips. 
cracking in smiles like freedom like unforgiving cold like small stolen looks about something not really funny like snowy globes and ice on the sidewalk like the second part of a duet we already have we already half baked we are already half baked in the same oven that's like crazy how you got me like that like harmonies of a song like that's crazy that's insane yeah so this one i think who is this about oh i remember who this was about <laughs> I remember who this was about. Uh, so this was actually about a girl that I had met um, when I had gone to. So my one of my my dream school I wanted to go to was Oberlin College. It was in Ohio, and I went for this visit, and it was like a bunch of us from like all over the United States. Um, this is a guy from like Alaska. That's like a separate anecdote on its own. <laughs> but um, yeah, so me. And this other girl, we, um, I don't know, we met and we just really vibed. And so some of this imagery, like, for example, um, like white breath and cold air, like chapped lips, cracking and smiles, like that was definitely from like us walking in Ohio and not having um, the winter gear. Um, but yeah, so that's what the poem, this poem is about at least. And um, I don't know, I just think that's kind of crazy that I remember that. Hmm. All right, Christina, pick another one that isn't, or it could be from here and I'll find something. Okay, how about the pink one now? Ooh. Okay, I think actually certain sections of this have poetry in them. Oh, this is actually, I think, well, this is how you know that I practice this a lot. Let's yeah. read. Because I... Okay. This is slam poetry. <laughs> um, this is how you know I practice the poem a lot because the, po like, the page is about to be like pushed out. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is slam poetry for Black History Month. I think it's called What About My Skin? Allow me to share an anecdote. Imagine a dark girl in the dark with her mother. A TV screen glows as Miss Universe waves, and she is sparkly and smiling. The dark girl is almost screaming in excitement. Her mother simply smiles, Japan, Japan. She is cheering for the pale skin that she has wanted in her hands. Reach for that sweet smile. And then there's another story, because my teacher demands that I sit in the dark, and the class plays outside as I am punished for a crime I did not commit because she assumed that because of my skin that no one paler than me could steal anything in the classroom and my mother came and she was demanding justice for her child. The teacher cried and she was never seen again and she carried a pink slip on her way out. And there's one last anecdote. I stood tall and dark on the playground and a paler, a paler girl would glare at me and she is so convicted because she says, you can't come to my birthday party because you are black. And to which I replied, black is beautiful and I was removed from the school promptly and I was not allowed to make other students uncomfortable and not at home. In my own skin, everyone seems paler than me. And I had to tell myself I am not that dark. Like my brown skin was gum on your shoes. To the world, to the world and a bad word in my mouth. 
I was not okay, okay? And I thought I was in the land of the free, and yet I have been cornered and told I am very, very, very black. Like a backhanded compliment. I was never comfortable and never allowed to be, to politely be moved to the side and to lust after skin that is not my own, smaller hips, thinner lips, flatter stomach. I did not love myself or my culture. It was the gum on my shoe and my native tongue was heavy between my teeth. I was afraid of being dark and starkly. I was a starkly stain, stain <laughs> sitting on pure white linen cloth. And I felt alone and inferior and my culture never mentioned. My blackness always questioned, I am black and what about it? And what about your thin lips that told me that I am too dark? And what about your thin hips, that flat stomach? And what about the TV that shows me that the happiest people err on the lighter side and they may be thinner? Well, excuse me, but what about me? What about my darker skin? What about my thicker lips? What about my bigger hips? What about my bigger stomach? What about me? And why do I have to hide? What about my round nose? What about my native tongue? Why is it that my sister looks for skin lightening cream? And why is it that ethnic section on the, why is the ethnic section that's on the majority, wait, what? Why is, et, oh my gosh, I can't read. Why is it that my sister looks for the skin lightening cream? And why is it that on the ethnic section, that's the majority of the shelf? And do you want me to be lighter? Do you want me to starve to be thin? Because I have tried. And I have corrected my mother's English to iron out the urobo in my own tongue. Because what about me and what about my skin? My culture cries for me to come home and I want to go home, America. What about me? What about my round nose? What about my bigger legs? What about my non-existent thigh gap? What about my not so flat stomach? What about my bigger lips? What about my skin? What about me? So that's that one. Um, so I read, or I would recite, in high school, I would recite like Black History Month poems. Um, and so this was one of them. And I believe this actually got published later on. I submitted it somewhere. Wow. And it got published. So, yeah, I don't know. That's my flex of the week. <laughs> but, yeah. That was amazing. Thank you for sharing. I can't believe you did that in high school, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, a lot of people, like, I was really close to the librarian at my high school. And she was like, you're going to be like, Maya Angelou. No, my head is gonna be so big. <laughs> I love my Angelo. One of my favorite um, people to read though is definitely like T Toni Morrison. Um, there's a poem that I want to read at the end, and it's like kind of like Toni Morrison esque, kind of sort of. It's like in that like way that like you read one of her stories and you're like, how do you even come up with this? Oh my god! Like it's like crazy. Um, it's really. Um, I don't know like it's one of those things where like it's something that you read and you would never want to you strangely would never want to read a story about it because they're so like devastating or sad or crazy at the same time you have to read it because you have to understand the narrative um like for example a mercy um which is like one of my favorites by her is about a slave woman who has a daughter and she gives the daughter like 
to a slave master and so it's like literally understanding because it's called a mercy and the reason why is because like you have to understand why um the the mom giving the child over to like a slave owner is a mercy in comparison to what could happen um and just like and so her living without a mother and like there's a whole bunch of other things besides that um but that for example is like a story that you would never want to even imagine um but you have to understand like that narrative anyway uh pick another one <laughs> okay how about the floral looking one? Oh, okay let's see did i even finish this oh i did okay let's see Ooh. what is this what is this oh this not, this looks kind of sad but okay <laughs> i mean i don't know like Okay, so I say I'm 17 in this, so this must be when I was 17. <laughs> um, this is hard to write, believe me. Right now, I'm 17, and I'm supposed to be reading in English. I'm 17, and I'm 17, and scared that you don't take me seriously, or maybe not seriously enough. Maybe you don't take me at all. You are turned off by the rawness in my voice. I am writing to let you know I am deciding this is for me. I will make people proud. It is my nature. My peers look up to me, my parents love me, and God loves me. And my siblings look up to me. I am scared they take me too seriously. I am scared you think I am just 17 and I am barely a teenager. The meaning is unclear, muddy, but I want to be clear and transparent. You get to disagree. I get to let you know me, and you have the right to put my voice in these pages I write down. I get to pour my tears and tight chest moments on paper, and I get to give you a ring, tell you how my day went. I get to share with you intimate moments when I am free and when I am trapped. I am 17 and I am almost an adult and I am almost ready to leave everything and tell the world what I think, almost. I am telling a lot more than other poets do. Maybe elusivity is a friend. I was never a very good at it, at hide and seek. Too tall or dark or loud or something like that, and I'm told I'm something else. I would tell you I'm delighted to meet you, but then I wouldn't be telling the whole truth. I am delighted you are taking my moments with your hands, taking it and breathing it in like I've had to. There are stories here I will never say aloud. Some of them I tell every day. Some are still happening, and these are all difficult. All of them hurt to let go, they hurt to expose, but this is for me. Not for money, not for my parents or peers or siblings, but for me. And you might not take it seriously. I am young and I understand that. I am old in a way, and I get that too. But regardless, my voice is here for me. And I am scared, but that will never mute me. And that will never stop me from doing this for me. So this is for me. Yeah, I actually had, so I don't remember writing this, which is weird, um, but I do know that in high school, I, I still do want to write a book. I want to publish poetry, but I think this was supposed to be like a foreword. Um, and I think like, this is so like strange to think about this. This was 2017-ish. 
Oh yeah, I was so depressed. <laughs> yeah, like um, it was junior year, and I was studying for the SAT, and I just didn't have a lot of time for myself, and I was super stressed. Um, like I was so stressed, and then like social stuff, and just every it, I was so stressed. Um, so I like though I don't remember writing this, I do know where like when I'm saying like I'm scared to write this. Um, or that where it says, um, these are stories I will never say aloud. And some of them I tell every day and some are still happening. These are all difficult. All of them hurt to let go. They hurt to expose. Like, it's so interesting, like, when I think about vulnerability because, like, I was so, it was so easy. It was a lot easier for me to be vulnerable, like, in high school because I was surrounded with so many people who validated that vulnerability versus, like, now it's not necessarily that um no one validates it um as much as it is that like that i didn't realize that was a reason why i was vulnerable um and understanding that vulnerability is still strength even when you're not necessarily validated in the way that you are hoping or you want to be validated i just think that's like something I honestly like it coming to terms with as an adult now if I could say something to my 17 year old self um, it would be that that feeling of being scared to tell people stuff doesn't go away you just have to be better at coping at, at coping with it and I think that goes for a lot of things that like um, like telling someone for example like even setting boundaries with someone isn't it's not ever like an easy conversation to be like, hey, you do this and this makes me uncomfortable. Um, and also like not qualifying your statements by being like, oh yeah, like I understand if this or that or whatever, I might've said this the wrong way or if this comes off like, no, just say it with your entire chest and you know what, whatever consequences come, you will deal with it <laughs> um, because it's you, like you got yourself, you got yourself, baby girl. <laughs> like, um, and that's who you're responsible for. But um like you don't really some things don't get easier you just have to learn how to cope with them better um but the actual doing it like the actual like even like for example like eating disorders is like not an easy subject for me um but i've gotten better at coping with stress so that i don't relapse i've gotten better at coping with even just talking about it and being vulnerable even if it's not um even if it's not easy for people to hear or accept or whatever, when it comes to like lots of different things, to the point whereby like at the end, I don't feel, I, I don't feel as invalidated as I would have been before, um, just because people are not responding the way that I am hoping or wishing or planning for them to. Um, so yeah, I would tell my 17 year old self that that like it's not going to get easier you're just going to get better at dealing with it i think that was like my biggest fear is that things are just going to get harder and harder and harder and harder and at one point i'm going to just not be able to deal with it um that was like the biggest like scary moment for me um like after taking the sat i was just so burnt out and i was like the fact that i took the sat and then i have to go to college and it's going to be harder and i'm going to have to take the mcat and it's going to be harder and then i'm going to have to take like the department exam or whatever so that i have my md and then it's going to be hard and it's going to be hard and it's going to be hard it's going to continue to be hard um like i just had that outlook that like the rest of my life is just going to be harder than it is right now and i can barely deal with this um and i would say boomy 
you like you are at a point right now where like every like month and a half you grow into a better person you grow into a more responsible more sound uh, more like emotionally like sensitive and compassionate person you are constantly like on a learning curve and that's very 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 good so don't be so stressed about every obstacle that you come across be more concerned with how you can not how how are you going to but how you can how you have the ability to deal with it because you have those you have those skills and if you don't have those skills you will get them <laughs> they will come and if you don't have the tools you will get the tools <laughs> like you will think it's gonna be okay even when it's not okay it'll be okay because you're going to cope and it's gonna be it's gonna be fine so yeah that's 17 year old boomy she was so stressed the one that is left is this purple one you could go back if you want to read other ones it doesn't matter but let's see if i can find something let me see oh wow what is this oh this is interesting i think this is 9 17 2020 i think that's just because that's the last date that's like noted so um but her priorities lie elsewhere. This is just the pit stop. Historical markers, crystalline, mural, ar aromatic potions, dancing, paintings. Their features, familiar, old, and it is sweet. It is warm. It is old, older, and foreign. Lauren wants <laughs> lemonade and perfume and clay and oils and broken radio. Walk by a buffer and car. Walk by... Walk by a buffer and cardamom, gold chain and baby necklaces, shea butter, cocoa butter, lavender oil, hemp oil, chapstick, hodgepodge, knickknacks, sticky notes, chaos, and a homey colored tones. So this poem is actually, um, so this is actually so ironic. <laughs> so uh, there's this club called Medical Storytelling. I am the president right now. and. Ooh. Yeah, it's like my favorite thing ever. I love it. So medical storytelling is basically, um, so it's founded on the notion that like, oh my goodness, writing about something can help you cope. Crazy. So um, patients will write about their experiences in healthcare. Also doctors will write about their experiences in healthcare. And it's like this bridging the gap of like experiences because there are some things that doctors even though they see a patient like going through something they're not ever going to understand but it helps you care for that person better when you like read something and you at least come to a better or deeper understanding when they write about it and the same thing for the patient too that they come to understand at least a little bit of what that doctor is going through um so this was like the first poem that I wrote whenever we had like the club meeting and they were just like oh yeah like write about whatever's on your desk and so that's what this is based yeah. on but um yeah I don't know like wow <laughs> that's so crazy to think about because that was like the first meeting I ever went to and now I'm president <laughs> um but it's like my passion like I really love that uh club a lot yeah Oh. Oh, wow, yeah, do you, I know you had one saved for the ending. Do you yeah. want to read that one? Sure. All right. Um, so this is like kind of 
this is I, I would say this is kind of recent this is like more of like how I write now <laughs> um I feel like my writing style has kind of changed like kind of minutely actually it kind of made me upset when I thought about it I was like my writing hasn't changed that much but um it's changed like I think in the way I like envision a lot of like figurative language um this one in particular <laughs> so I'm gonna see if I can find it because I'm pretty sure it's oh wait let me just hold up um where is it what the heck so I have to like type in <laughs> I have to type in like racism baby because <laughs> yeah because so okay this one is called thanks coach um that's not like the official title but that's what's in notes because this was based off of like a video that someone sent in the bsu chat a while ago it's about this sports coach i don't know i think he's for basketball or something and he was just talking about like basically how like black people are still like getting shot and that we have to do better and all this other stuff so that's why it's called thanks coach <laughs> um it's been a minute since I dipped my toe in that black, angry rage that sends a chill up your spine and sends your beloved tar baby negro caricature to hell. And it makes you look at me eyeball to eyeball and go toe to toe. We are not your victim type of stare in my retina. That kind of rage. Ain't sat in it in a minute, baby. It's been moments since I screamed about killings and shootings where they saw before them a mirror. And they became afraid and it's been a minute it's been a while since the deep black rage a few seconds since i showed them my fear and they became afraid of who they were and blamed the whole thing on my brown skin blamed it on the sagging pants blamed it on it she was resisting blamed it on the empowered black man blamed it on our rap music on our accent on our anger like it ain't warranted and you don't deserve it you are too afraid of what you have become and you caress your racism like a baby and you take her to the store and let her burn it down and blame it on the black cashier because she has an attitude and you blame it on how you were afraid she might become the angry black boogie woman under the bed scared of her well-placed rage deep deep dark in her eyes scared she will see how your eyes do not see a woman but a great big boogie woman who might hurt your racism baby and yell at you for looking at for the exact change that is what you tell yourself when you rock that baby to sleep to protect that inhumanity with fervency and keep that black woman under the bed don't let her open her mouth she cannot breathe listen me white woman i know you know that you keep that woman under the, your bed and hope for the darkness and hope in darkness she will die there you hope you will starve her of light and hope and starve her of her very humanity. But your fear will come to you in a dream and tell you what you already know, that you are so afraid of what you have done to us. And all you know how to do is lynch and hang and chase power like a starving dog. Don't you know that those dogs are the most deadly? They are the most dangerous. They are the most desperate creatures, the starving ones, and yet you are afraid of the man when you have his, your knee on his neck, when you have a gun to her head, 
When you have the body of the baby soaked in tar and feather, mocking her and calling her an angel. And you know what? I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to rip the comfort from your skin and whisper in your ear tragedy so bleak and ugly. You will ask if it's a fairy tale, a parable, a story, an analogy. If you will, I will tell you to shut up. And I will look you in the eyes. You will look me in the eyes and you will see my mother crying, my brother crying when a police officer grabbed him. And you will see me try to scrub my skin away in the pool. You will see tears in my eye when she dies, when you paint your Jesus white, when you get no charges, when my accent is a threat. When my life is treated like a baby doll and your racism baby tosses me up and down and hurls me at the dogs, you will see it in my eyes, that deep black rage. So yeah. Wow, I thought your high school poems were so good. And then you managed to one-up them. Oh, <laughs> you I have only that. improved. Wow, that was probably one of the best poems I've ever heard. Aww, no. Yes. <laughs> I feel like, um, honestly, I remember reading this to someone and they were like, wow, dude, where did that come from? That was so loud. And I was like, it doesn't take a lot when it's your lived experience. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think that's the thing is sometimes like, that's like a weird conversation to have because sometimes I'll write these things and people are like, oh, wow, are you okay? Did something happen? It's like, no. This is my lived experience. <laughs> like, yes. this is, You're like, I'm not making this up. <laughs> yeah, like, this is not like, I don't have to be in the moment for me to recall a moment because it's my life. Um, like, it's not, uh, I think one thing for like black people um, is like, you have to understand that the way that we cope with like trauma in and of itself is kind of different. That's why like whenever you see like black people in like horror movies, like a lot of the time, like where they're like, and this is okay, this is maybe a stereotype, but also <laughs> like I've gone to like horror movies with black people, and this is kind of true. Um, but like if you like watch a horror movie with a black person, they're either laughing or they're like stupid. Um, <laughs> Because black people have been like, like, okay, for example, like, oh, walking at night, why would a black, like, because we are living in a time period whereby, like, anything and everything can be held against you. So, why would, like, you see, like, a white woman walking around at night and, like, I'm making a joke to someone, like, oh, nothing's gonna happen there. <laughs> like, nothing's gonna happen there. She's fine. Um, like, she could be at gunpoint. I'm like, nah, the police not. <laughs> like, you know, because like it's our lived experience. Black people cope with things differently because like our entire history has felt like it has been like lots of brutality. Like you, like and that goes for like honestly so many other people of color as well. Lots of different ethnicities here in America. That, like we cope with it with a lot of humor. It's like oh yeah, all we did was just like help build this entire country and fight in your war so that you guys could get independence and stuff. But you know, like we're not really American. You know, you can you know, whatever. Fine, it's cool, um, you know. Um, so I feel like the way that people, like black people at least cope with stuff is different um, in the sense that it feels like, uh, lots of the time I think even people will think that you're not coping correctly because you're like, oh, why are you making fun of this? And it's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like 
gonna make jokes, I'll make jokes. Do you understand? <laughs> Do you know how much like it hurts um, to continue to see like it becomes a thing whereby like whenever, for example, George Floyd um, was murdered. It was like so hard, I think, to even want to get up and, and do anything like for myself, much less like for like the black people around me, um, because it was like people because I was I kept seeing people either excuse it or stay silent or stupid, like all lives matter stuff. And like, I get it where that's coming from all lives matter. Cause, but the point is that you're not acting like that. So saying all lives matter is kind of deflecting. I'm not saying that if you say all lives matter, that like you're a terrible person or whatever. I'm just going to definitely question where it's coming from, because the whole point is that we're not acting like that. And you saying all lives matter. I could go on a tangent for that forever, bro. Um, when I say that, I mean, it's just like you, it's really hard sometimes to cope, I guess. Um, and so whenever you find ways to cope, because like you learn about your lineage uh, and how somehow like your people were not really like welcomed, even though they like did a lot for the country. Um, and then like my parents are Nigerian. And so <laughs> they're just like, why is everyone here terrible? <laughs> like, why Why is there so much prejudice? Um, and so I feel like I very much lived a lot of the African-American experience that my parents are, like, not from here. Um, and that on its own is even, like, a different experience. But coping with a lot of brutality, coping with that um, is going to be different. So whenever you see someone, like, make a joke about something, consider, perhaps, that they are coping and that is how they cope and not just that they aren't coping um i think especially whenever you read something that is like um someone's lived experience you don't know it's their lived experience but they read it and you think that that person is like fine or you're wondering like oh where does that come from consider it's their lived experience and they don't actually need a specific trigger to start writing about it because they have a depth of knowledge about where that's coming from because i think that's what's happened a lot like i'll write about depression and then someone will be like we're doing good and I'm like oh no I am I am I'm fine but like also this happened <laughs> like this happened um and I feel like I need to write about it because like as a writer it's like very strange to like not be able to see yourself like years and years back um I don't make a habit of reading through all of these but because it's like weird it's like not uh man what is this Oh, I got an email. I'm sorry. I'm really, like, easily distracted. <laughs> um, but I don't make a habit of reading through a bunch of my journals. But it's, like, really important to be reflective. And I'm a very reflective person. So sometimes, even if I'm not feeling that specific emotion, I don't, like, seek the emotion out. But if I'm like, oh, wait, there was this day that I felt like this and I never wrote about it and I feel like it would be cool to be able to look back on it, I'll write about it. Like, I don't know, because I feel like it's important to be able to reflect on like who you were um, during a certain period of time. Like right now, I barely have time to write and it's so annoying because I'm like, no, I want to look back at this one day and be like, wow, I remember when I was like still a pseudo adult. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. That like concludes the, the poetry session, unless I don't know what time is it. It's like 30 minutes, jeez. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Hey, that was all great stuff. Yeah, I like was expecting 
this to be funny <laughs> for some reason. And then I remember that all the things I write about are like pretty, they're like pretty vulnerable things. Maybe one day, if there's demand for it later on, there can definitely be a part two of this. There's, this black journal has gold, bro. Like it's, it, there's a lot of good, I flip and there's like an empty page. Yeah, I was there. like, I don't see <laughs> Like there's, but there's like a lot of, there's a lot of good poetry in this one. When was, when was I writing in this, 2018? That's why. That's why, because it was 2018. Mm. This was before life started. Anyway, there's a lot of good stuff in here. But um, if there's demand, we can do a part two and I can read either less recent or more recent stuff, whatever, uh, whatever our listeners would like. But yes, this has been Stratosphere with Bumi and Christina, and we hope you enjoyed my vulnerability. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see you later.